Look in the Bible today, and the scripture I want you to turn to is from Psalm 33. So in Psalm 33, uh, which is right in the middle of the Bible, the book of Psalms, we'll begin reading in verse number 8. So that's Psalm 33, verse number 8. And uh, so I appreciate you turning there to Psalm 33. And here's what the, the scripture says in Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army, a mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. And we pray the Lord will bless this word into our hearts as we have it read today in Jesus' name and amen. So we uh, are at the time of the celebration of the 247th birthday of the United States of America on July 4th. So that's pretty uh, amazing birthday. If you think about it, America is a young country when you consider the world. England has buildings that are four times as old nearly as the United States of America. So you can imagine that we are privileged to have a country, privileged to have a United States. Uh, but I think uh, it is, we, we should be reminded of what Benjamin Franklin said about America when he was asked, what do you think about the Constitution? What do you think about what was done? And what kind of country do you have? And he says, I think a republic, if you can keep it. And I think that's a very, uh, uh, very astute uh, judgment and observation by Benjamin Franklin. Uh, America is a, a strange nation in a lot of ways. Uh, it was created uh, by people who had a fear of God. They, uh, for the most part, wanted to find not just freedom, but a place to exercise their idea of worshiping God and, and living a life. So for them, it wasn't just go to church and, and pay your dues. It was literally a life for them. Uh, they wanted to establish a, a society of Christians. Uh, and the pilgrims and, of course, the Puritans both when they had arrived in New England, uh, they had intended to go to Virginia, but they made it 
to Massachusetts instead, but they wanted to make it a, a world where God's principles were going to be put in place. Uh, there's been a lot of lies spread about our founding fathers, about America, uh, and about our Christian roots over the years, and a lot of skepticism, a lot of people who are cynics about anything religious. And what they will do is they'll point out the Salem witch trials or they'll point out slavery or they'll point out all these other things that do not seem to be consistent with Christian principles. And of course, uh, that's understandable. Although I will point to you that in the Bible, slavery was in the Bible uh, as well. So it wasn't like uh, the Americans were the ones who invented this foul uh, institution. It was around a long time and in some cases, people say it's even around today in some nations, but uh, we won't go there. But I will say that if you look at all the misrepresentations about American history and about what went on, you will know that I think that people want to lie about American history for a purpose. There's a purpose because if it, it keeps our eyes off of God and uh, the God of those people, see, if you can point to those people instead of the God of those people, you can always find something wrong. And in today's world, the way they get rid of people who would do the right thing is they point at the person and they find something wrong in their lives. And then you have a lot of self-righteous people who say, well, I would support this person, but they did X or Y or Z or whatever it is. Isn't it amazing? how the devil knows how to point out the flaws in people quite uh, often. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And, and the reason why is that is he accuses people of being wrong. Um, if you look at the disciples of Jesus, there were faults in every one of them. <laughs> they all had their problems and they did wrong. If you look at the, the Bible characters, they had their wrongs. They weren't good people all the time. Sometimes they did some really, really bad things. So if the devil can lie to us and get us to look at the flaws in people, but not the God of those people who is flawless, then he has achieved his result. And one of the ways that he achieves his result is through counseling, canceling people today. He cancels them uh, by pointing out something that is either real or imagined that is wrong about uh, some subject. Uh, I have a friend. His name is Bill. He is a teacher. He was teacher of year in Tennessee one year. He teaches in the public schools in Sevier County. Anyway, Bill called me up and told me a story that he read and and uh, I was so impressed with the story, I'm going to read it to you because I would not do it justice by summarizing the story. It's a story by Carrie J. Byrne. And the title of this little article was Meet the American, who was revered as the patron saint until he was counseled, Lenny Lenape Chief Tammany. Now, the Lenny Lenape were a tribe of Indians. So... I'm going to uh, read this little article. You'll find it very enlightening, I hope. The founding of the United States was shaped by inspirational figures, authoring remarkable tales long since forgotten or since erased. Tamanand is one of them. 
more commonly called King Tammany or Saint Tammany. He was a 17th century Lenny Lenape, which was a Delaware chief, who found a friend and ally in English Quaker William Penn, who settled the region in 1682. Tammany was revered as the patron saint of America by the generation of the founding fathers and the patriots who fought, bled, and died for the cause of American independence. How many of you have heard of Chief Tammany? Some of you maybe have. Mm. Our education system doesn't do a very good job and I'm a part of it. I hadn't heard about Tammany either because they didn't teach me, but I know now, so I'm teaching you. <laughs> The Pennsylvania troops under Washington's command were the first to raise their banners on which were inscribed St. Tamanand. Leon Nelson Nichols wrote in 1892 in the history of Tammany, which chronicles both the life of the man and the influential patriotic Tammany societies he inspired around the new nation. Nichols added, soon other troops caught the zeal for St. Tamanand until at last the whole American army had adopted the chief as its patron saint. Tamanand played a prominent role in the establishment of peaceful relations among the Native American tribes and the English settlers who established Pennsylvania, reports DelawareTribe.org, the official website of the Delaware Tribe of Indians. He was fated each May, most notably in the mid-Atlantic states. This is King Tammany's day. The people here have sainted him and keep his day, John Adams wrote from Philadelphia to future First Lady Abigail back in Boston on May 1st, 1777. It was as important a day as the 4th of July, wrote Nichols. While the army held its celebrations on May 12th, one Philadelphia Tammany Society at least celebrated on May 1st. The men spent the day in mirth and jolly in honor of King Tammany. An aide to George Washington wrote from Valley Forge in May 1778. It was during the Revolutionary War when stories of a patriotic and wise Indian chief had become circulated through the colonies and had taken a strong hold upon the minds of the soldiers. Nichols wrote, after inspiring American patriots in the 18th century, Tammany shaped American politics in the 19th century and was celebrated in American popular culture well into the 20th century, most notably on the uniforms of professional sports teams. The first original American opera, Tammany the Indian Chief, was performed at John Street Theater in Manhattan in 1794. Tammany appears in James Fenimore Cooper's classic 1826 American novel, The Last of the Mohicans. A statue of Tammany keeps watch over the campus of the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Another Tammany statue enjoys a place of prestige in Old City, Philadelphia, at the corner of Front and Market Streets, a few blocks east of Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell. Tammany also serves as a silent sentinel to the heroes of Gettysburg. New York's 42nd Volunteer Infantry Regiment, the Tammany Regiment, fought heroically on the infamous Pennsylvania battlefield upon which the course of American history turned. The image of Tammany stands atop 
uh, a monument to these men who helped defeat slavery. Tammany became a model of aspiration after the American Revolution. Patriotic Tammany societies proliferated around the nation. This institution shall be called and known by the name of Tammany Society or Columbian Order, reads 1 Tammany Society Constitution of 1790. It shall connect in the indissoluble bonds of patriots' friendship, American brethren of known attachment to the political rights of human nature and the liberties of this country. Yes, Tammany, like Columbia in an earlier United States, was viewed as a personification of the ideal of human liberty. Tammany Hall, the powerful Democrat Party machine of Boss Tweed fame that ruled New York City for decades, was one of those organizations named in his honor. Tammany Hall's Manhattan office in Union Square featured a statue of Tammany over the entrance. Tammany's likeness above Tammany Hall appears in the 2002 movie Gangs of New York. It was through James Gaffney, a Democrat operative from Tammany Hall in New York City, that the image of King Tammany entered American professional sports. He purchased the Boston Rustlers of the baseball's National League in 1912. Gaffney quickly renamed the team the Boston Braves in honor of King Tammany and his own Tammany Hall. He added the image of the inspirational Lenny Lenape to the team's uniforms. Babe Ruth played for the Boston Braves in 1935, the final season of his career. The American icon last played wearing not Yankees pinstripes, but the face of the patron saint of America on his sleeve. The image inspired by Tammany later adorned Braves uniforms as the franchise moved to Milwaukee and Atlanta. The Atlanta Braves, bowing to pressure from a nation that had forgotten its history, removed the image inspired by King Tammany from their uniforms in 1989. The patron saint of America had become the victim of cancel culture for the first time, but not the last time. Businessman George Preston Marshall brought the National Football League to Boston in 1932. As was the custom of the era, he named the upstart pro football club after the more established local pro baseball team. Marshall's Boston Football Braves adopted the same primary red color scheme and logo as the Boston Baseball Braves. The football team even played at Braves Field in Boston. But Marshall's deal at Braves Field lasted only one year. He moved the team to nearby Fenway Park, the following year, home of the American League Boston Red Sox. The Braves team needed a new name, Boston Red Sox, Boston Red Skins. It was simple as that. The new name honored tradition, history, and patriotism and was consistent with his existing red color scheme while playing tribute to the host organization. The Boston Red Skins played at the home of the Boston Red Sox from 1933 to 1936. Marshall moved the franchise to Washington, D.C. in 1937. The name Redskins and the proud Tammany logo went with him. Marshall died in 1969. The team freshened its logo in 1971. The new version was designed by Blackfeet native Walter Blackie Wetzel, 
with input and approval from Native American groups. The new Native American logo adorned the side of Washington Redskins helmets starting in 1972. The logo was reportedly meant to be an image of Blackfeet Chief John Two Guns White Calf, but it bore a striking resemblance to the only known portrait of Tamanand. Same distinctive large nose, same white feather, feathers with black tips, same long black hair pulled tightly into a braid, similar headdress, trust to the hair. Yet this tribute to the patron saint of America came under attack in later years. Tammany was canceled again in 2020. The Redskins bowed to pressure from a public that no longer cared about or knew about the nation's rich multicultural heritage. The organization ditched the proud image inspired by King Tammany, the team that took the field for nearly 80 years in celebration of the patron saint of America was renamed the generic Washington Commanders in 2022. Marshall, dead and unable to defend himself, was labeled a racist in the process to rewrite history. The reality is that Marshall had nothing to do with concocting native imagery for nefarious purposes. Instead, he inherited the celebratory image of the beloved patron saint of America, from James Gaffney and the Democrats of Tammany Hall in New York City. The name Redskins wasn't some evil invective of a raving racist. It was an alliterative tribute to the Boston Red Sox, a clever name that allowed Marshall to keep alive the imagery of beloved King Tammany. But in the decades after Marshall died, a simplistic new binary narrative of American history had emerged. Indigenous people were only victims, and Europeans were only rapacious invaders in this new version of history, crafted most notably by influential Marxist historian Howard Zinn. His simplistic narrative has since been popularized and proselytized by zealots in academia. Zinn falsified the history of natives. Mary Graber, the author of Debunking Howard Zinn, told Fox News Digital. He was a Fiction writer, not a historian, said Graber, a fellow with Alexander, the Alexander Hamilton Institute in Clinton, New York. Zinn does not mention Tammany in his influential 1980 attack on American history, the people's history of the United States. The real historical narrative of King Tammany appears too complex and nuanced to fit the modern cancel culture narrative. In reality, a Lenny Lenape chief shaped 200 years of American history and was celebrated as the patron saint of the new nation. King Tammany has since been forgotten at best, purposely erased at worst. The American ideals of human right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness spring chiefly from original American sources and were developed on American soil for untold centuries before Europeans arrived on this continent. Historian and biographer of early Americans, Joseph White Norwood wrote, in his 1938 book, The Tammany Legend. These ideals are therefore so distinctly native to the soil that they should be known as the first Americans knew them by a name that completely symbolizes them. This name is Tamanand. Uh, long article, lot in there. But it's always amazing how the lies about our history they get spread very easily in simple minds by people who don't necessarily know the truth. But the Bible says in verse number eight of Psalm 33, let all the earth fear the Lord. He doesn't just say one group. He says all the earth, 
All of us need to be God-fearing people. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. We should celebrate the fact that God is the creator of all of us. He's the creator of our country. He's the creator of all nations. He's the creator of every person. And because he has made us, we should follow him. Notice that in the Psalms, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. When God does something, he doesn't do it by half measure. He does it fully. He does it to completion. He makes things and he says it is good when he makes them. So he, he does these things. However, for some reason, the people on earth don't get the message. We end up coming up with all kinds of stories that are false. And in God's case, I think he wants us to remember what the scripture here says. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. What is the solution to our problems as Americans and as Christians in America and all over the world? Because it's not just America suffering today by ungodliness. Every other country is suffering because of ungodliness. So what do we do about it? Is it, should we just say, okay, we got to have a plan. We got to take over and do this and win this election, win that election. It's not that simple. Uh, it's not a matter of just winning elections. You can win every election and be completely false. You can be completely wrong. You can actually have everybody you want in political office right now, and you would not be able to drive sin out of the heart of human beings. It's not that simple. It's not about only who is in charge. It's about whether or not we are a nation that bows the knee to the Lord or we're a nation that doesn't. If we have more people who are truly devout to the Lord, devoted to the Lord, I believe that that will cause an inevitable blessing. Because if you think about it, the Bible has a lot to say about both blessings and curses. And it's interesting that the curses tend to follow when people violate God's standards. And when people obey God's standards, they tend, it tends to bring blessings. This is a, a common sense thing. And if you really think about it, uh, the Bible says that we shouldn't bear false witness. And yet our educators, the people we trust, follow after people who lie about other people. And that is not good. We need to speak the truth. We need to speak with dignity and respect about people. But it does say here in this scripture that the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. You know what that says to me? It says we have hope. Not just, it's not like God gives up on this generation or last generation or the next one. His counsels and his plans are for all generations. So we are eligible to have his benefits even in a time like today. And in fact, when we start complaining about the times we live in, we need to be careful because we don't want to say, oh, I wish I could have lived back then. Really? Do you really want to live back then? I have a feeling that if you lived back then, whatever that back then was, you would instantly be filled with all kinds of dissatisfaction because you would see the very same thing that we have now only in different costumes, but you still have it. God's message is for all generations. 
and his message hasn't stopped being relevant. It's relevant now, just as it has always been relevant. But verse 12 is a controversial verse, and I read an article about that, and it's called, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The article that I read that didn't like what a lot of preachers like me believe, he said, well, this doesn't mean some particular ethnic nation or any group of people in particular. It just basically means the nation of Israel at the time. And he uses to judge this, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. And since God chose the nation of Israel, that's the nation he's talking about. Well, it's true that God chose the nation of Israel, but he rejected a lot of those people. He rejected quite a lot of them. And that author did say something I did agree with. The author said that this now applies to Christians because we are part of God's family, but it doesn't mean a particular nation. But that's where I, I fault him. Because I tell you that if Sodom and Gomorrah would have been saved by having only 10 righteous people, how much more the righteous people in our own day could make a difference for our nation and every nation, not just ours. It's not all about us. I tell you, if we have more people bowing the knee to the Lord, if we have more people who are willing to honor the Lord, and if God is our true God, the Lord is our God, I believe we'll be blessed. And think about what that means. If you're cursed, it means nothing you do works out. If you're cursed, you can try every elective plan, every political plan you want. You'll fail all the time. And if that's not good enough, God can send all kinds of other distractions and wars and, and, and diseases upon us. That's called curse. That's not good. God wants to bless his people. And that's not just get-rich-quick scheme. That's not... Uh, uh, a situation where if you're poor, you're not blessed. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that our nation, as a nation, we are poor in terms of our character. We're poor in terms of the way we treat one another. And we're poor in our devotion to the Lord. So God will bless a nation if the Lord is their God. And if we are his people, then he has chosen us as his people, individually, as part of his people. And if we will live out that life, I believe there's hope for America as well. If we speak the truth and we try to bring up what is positive about our American uh, situation, then I think God will bless that. But America is only as good as we are devoted to the Lord. Otherwise, we're no different than any other country. Well, verses 13 and following says, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. Now, we're all accountable to the Lord. No one escapes it. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. So everybody gets graded. Everybody gets observed. Everybody's under his surveillance. The, he fashions their hearts individually. I love the fact that we're different people. All of us are different. God made us different. We're not machines, we're not robots, and we're not identically stamped out. We are different. That's good. He considers all their works. He doesn't just consider some, he considers them all. 
You and I, we look at somebody, we see a bad work, we say, oh, they're terrible. God doesn't consider just that. He considers all the works. Oh, but did you see what he did for his mother? Did you see what he did for his children? Did you see what he did for this group of people? See, it's not just one thing. You and I selectively judge people. God completely judges them. He weighs it all. He weighs it all fairly. It is false to think that because we spend unbelievable amounts of money on our military that we are somehow safe. We're not going to be safe if God's our enemy. If God's our enemy, we'll never win. That's why he says in verse 16, no king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by his great strength. When people talk about the strength of America, they say, oh, it's this, it's that. No, the strength of America is that God has blessed us. That's been our strength. That's our strength. It's not any other thing. It's not our particular mix of people that's been our strength. That's ridiculous. When people elevate diversity and say, oh, it's a wonderful thing, diversity, it's great. You know what? There's never been a model of diversity ever, except the world. Because you can't model diversity. Because you can't get every people group represented in one room. It's impossible. Too many people groups, too many different types of people. It's impossible. So we just like to have pet values. True diversity is from the Lord. And it is each individual. That's how diverse we are. We're all individuals and we need God's grace. So when people plan against the Lord, a horse is a vain hope for safety, neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. God's trying to say, don't have confidence in our budgets. Do not have confidence in our culture. Do not have confidence in anything that we do or any program. We need to have confidence in the Lord. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. And that's what we need. We need to fear God and have hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. We may have a famine of truth in our day. We may have a famine of godliness, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. And God can keep us alive. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Not next year's election. It's not our hope. Our hope's in God, not in people. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, and I like the prayer, and I want that to be our prayer for America and for ourselves. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. We really need God to have mercy on us. Don't give us what we deserve, but have mercy on us. And we have to hope in him. When I uh, go and take my dogs out to, to walk or whatever, they want to come in. You know what they want? They want a treat. <laughs> they want that treat. You know, they're just sitting there. They give you the eye. If you ever had a pet look at you and say, oh, you better give it to me. Now, recently I've been buying treats and they're getting more expensive and more expensive. I said, mm, I'm gonna figure out how to make my own treats. So I, I found a recipe, made my own treats. Quite tasty actually. So I made my own treats, but I didn't know if the dogs would like it. I've been paying for all these name brand, very expensive treats, ridiculous. So the homemade oats and pumpkin <laughs> treats 
actually liked it. A lot cheaper. Pretty amazing. And I thought about, you know what? We need help from the Lord, but we're looking after everything else. We go after the name brands of everything else to satisfy us, but we don't look to the maker himself. What if God provided us our own treats? What if we depended exclusively on God to provide our happiness instead of the disappointments of our education system, our political system, our culture, our entertainment system, the world system, the corporate system, which are always trying to squeeze out God wherever they can. And I thought, you know what? We just need to go to the source. We need to go to the Lord. Because they can't rob, away, rob you of your joy if you look to him. My pets are not worried about what, other pets are getting down the road. They don't even care. They don't even enter their head. All they care about, can I get that from him? That's all they care about. They're focused. They're far more focused than I am. If we just be focused on getting that morsel from God, we'll find it tastes pretty good and it's better than what we get from the world. Let's bow our heads to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for our nation. And Lord, I have been long-winded when it comes to reading the article earlier, but I, I did want to make a point, is that we are surrounded by people who lie about our history and lie about a lot of things. They lie to people all the time, and people think they know the truth when they don't know what they don't know. And so, Lord, I ask your mercy upon the people who have been wrongly educated, that they would be open-minded and realize that there are other sides to the stories. And I also pray that you would help us to remember Native Americans like uh, Tamanand who, who had a positive relationship with our founding father and settlers like William Penn. And I ask that Christians like William Penn and others will be remembered for their Christian values and their belief in a, a gentle savior. And Lord, may we all overcome our flaws. Like the song says, may you mend every flaw. And may you bring us to a place where we seek your blessing. In Jesus' name, we do pray and amen. So we're going to sing a hymn of invitation right now. And as we sing this hymn of invitation, uh, 